Okay, Kevin, for the grand prize of $1 million, what color is the White House? Um, I know this, I know this, I know this. Um, five seconds. Oh, switching to Geico could save you a bunch of money on car insurance? Okay, judges? That's true, Kevin. They'll allow it. Congratulations. You're a winner. Woo! Geico, because saving 15% or more on car insurance is always a great answer. And, uh... Love Talk Radio. Oops. Hi, this is Jerry Mintz, and uh, this is our first time on Blog Talk Radio in quite a long time. Uh, And I'd actually like to know (laughs) if people are listening to us. So uh, it would be, you know, there's a place if you're listening to Blog Talk Radio where you can do a chat, and we can tell, you know, if you can hear us. That'll be nice to know. We've got a setup here which is kind of difficult for us to test we got a microphone if we have to i could call in with my cell phone and do it like that but uh, but uh, this is a this should be a nicer setup we use it for our for our podcasts so um, if you are hearing us just uh click on the uh chat and let us know now uh, you can also call in at, uh, at area code 213 on 943-3539 Anyway, so tonight we're going to talk uh, with some people who are involved with new alternatives that they have created. It's going to be very nice uh, and exciting to to talk to some of them. And we are also going to talk a little bit about what Aero is for those people who are not sure about it uh, and uh, what we do, what, what our aims are, what our mission is. And a little bit about some of the new schools that that we've helped people to start. And that is one of the things that we that we try to do. Uh, We we do try to well, we promote what we call the education revolution. And that is we want to make learner centered education possible for people everywhere, children and everybody. Children are people, by the way. <laughs> Sometimes they don't get treated that way. So, um, again, uh, if you're listening to us, just click on the chat button, and uh, uh, or you can also call in. And um, so, let's see, we got somebody who's who's already called in, and we'll be—I don't know—it <laughs> doesn't say who they are, but that's okay. Uh, and um, we will we will um, be talking to some people who uh, have, have started their own schools, and that'll be fun. Uh, and um, I just want to say a little bit about about Arrow itself and our concept, uh, and that is that we feel that education, the way it is in schools now is operating on a, a paradigm 
a theory that's maybe up to 150 years out of date, if it ever was useful. And, and that theory was that somebody, teachers or schools, would have a body of knowledge that they could kind of force feed to students. Uh, and then if they just simply accepted it all, that they would be set for life. But of course, now in the 21st century, that just isn't the case anymore. And the, the fact is that, that um, we, uh, we have a different approach. And let's see, somebody just, yeah. <laughs> so while here, you can, you can chat back. Somebody just called in and so on. Somebody has actually uh, typed into the text of my phone. We're, we're trying to, we're just, we're just kind of sorting all this stuff out. We haven't, um, we, we haven't done this for a long time. We hope everything is working. It'll be great. But to get back to what I was saying, so, so now in the new millennium, it seems like a new approach is absolutely necessary for our survival. And that is that people be lifelong learners, that education be based on the interest of the learner, that, that we build that up rather than try to impose an arbitrary curriculum. Uh, we believe that children are natural learners. And if you believe that, it means you can't do things the way they're currently being done in the regular system. Uh, it means, among other things, that you wouldn't have forced homework. Kids, of course, could work at home, but to make them do things they weren't interested in would tend to extinguish that natural ability to learn. Uh, you wouldn't have competition for grades because if you're trying to work for a grade, you're not necessarily following up on your own interest. You're, in fact, being sort of led away from it. And so... The schools that we've helped people start and the schools that are part of our network are learner-centered in their orientation, meaning that they believe that students have a right to make decisions about their own education and about their own schools. Now, that is, you know, supposedly a radical concept, but it really is one that it keeps on popping out through the ages because I think it's true. So you can go back to uh, uh, someone like Bronson Alcott, who in the 1830s started a school, and it was based on this idea. But one of the things that happened that kind of made it difficult for him to run a school is he decided to accept uh, a young black child into his school. Now, you understand this was not 1930. This was the 1830s. So some of the parents took their kids out of school when he did that, and pretty soon he had mostly his own children, one of whom was his daughter, Louisa May. And of course, that was Louisa May Alcott. And a lot of her ideas for little men and little women came from her experiences with her father's school. So anyway, let's, let's see uh, who we have in here. Wiley, can you... Um, Wiley is uh, assisting with the board here. Let's, let's click somebody in and see who we have. Hello. Hello. Hi, who's Hello. calling? Gleamer Sullivan. Hi, Gleamer. How you doing? This is Jerry, of course. 
and uh, Gleamer, uh, can you hear me okay? Yes, I can hear you just fine. Good. Um, I wonder if you, uh, and you were able to hear us on the Internet, too, pretty well? Uh, well, uh, I just dialed in, and then I could hear you fine. Okay, good. Um, anyway, so, Gleamer, you actually have a school that you started in Virginia that is part of the Arrow Network. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Raw Learning is a small private school and homeschool resource center. Uh, we are a free school, so that means the students are absolutely able to direct their own learning, and any changes that we make or uh, freedoms that we want to take away from anyone uh, have to be done at a school meeting, so all students have to have a say in everything that we do. Okay, and, and uh, how many students do you have? We have 60 right now. Okay, wow. And, and uh, do they come every day? No, not all of them come every day because we are a homeschool resource center. Um, so we have a small population of private school students, and the vast um, majority of our population is homeschool students. I see. Wow. Okay. And so, so they get uh, – now, do most of your kids how, – how long can they stay? Can they graduate from the school? Yes. And as a matter of fact, we have two students who are in our, uh, on our graduation track right now. On your staff? On our graduation track. So they're, they're set to graduate. They're working toward oh, a diploma. Oh, I see. They're, I see. they're working wow. on the requirements for a diploma. I so those see. will be our and first two graduates um, since we started our school in 2009 when my children were five and three. Wow. So they kind of, they've stayed gone up through the grades that way. Yep, yep. And do you take new kids that are older students, or do they have to start when they're younger? No, we do take uh, kids when they're older. However, um, especially if they've been in a system or learning environment um, where they're not able to self-direct, uh, it, they do, don't usually stay for very long because they, they are expecting somebody to tell them what to do and how to do it, and they can't figure out what to do for themselves, so... They usually move on. It, they usually have to come by the time they're around uh, 10 or 11, um, and then they're pretty successful. Uh, or unless they're unschoolers. Unschoolers are fine. They, they're, they're able to, to self-reflect. Oh, I see. Just, just easy. Okay. And so, so you find that if kids have been in a regular school system for too long, that they've kind of lost that ability to be self-motivating. Absolutely. Um, and I know that some people can get it back. Um, I know adults who have gotten it back. Um, but I know that it takes a long time um, to de-school. Uh, I guess the rule of thumb that I've heard is one month for every year that you're in school. Um, so sometimes that's, you know, almost a year if you've been in there for a long time. And um, most parents don't have the patience to, to let their kid just be. Um, well, they do school, so. Right, and I remember, to... I remember a long time ago when somebody had a school that was based on Summerhill in upstate New York, and uh, he talked about not taking kids over 13 or 14 because by the time they would have decompressed and gotten all that all out of the system, they would be too old, and 
thought that they needed to just stay in a fairly structured situation, maybe with some flexibility and maybe just go ahead and go to college. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could see how that would work. Really do. Right. Okay. So, um, can you okay? Well, just hold on for a minute, and we've got some other people that have called in to stay right on. You'll you'll be in part of the conversation still. And Wonderful. Let's just see. Let's click on the next one and see who this is. Okay. Hello. Hello. I am waiting for. <laughs> maybe they're listening on the internet, and there's a little delay. I think. Hello, anybody? Uh, we just all right. Put that back on hold. Cause, okay, let's go into the third one. All right, hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. Who's calling? Hi. This is Nancy from ALC Mosaic in Charlotte, North Carolina. Oh, hi, Nancy. How you doing? <laughs> I'm great. How are you, Jerry? Oh, okay. Well, busy as usual here. And, of course, uh, you've been listening to the show on the Internet? I, I've i been listening for about the past five minutes, so I caught the end of the conversation you were just having. Okay, so we have we have Gleamer on. You know Gleamer? I do know Gleamer. I've, I heard her voice, and I was thinking that's who you were talking to. <laughs> so, um, so, so uh, Nancy... Um, you um, you actually took the school starters course, and I remember very clearly when you first came in. Can you tell us a little bit about what your experience was? Yeah, um, it was a, a pretty wonderful experience. I had just I taught in public schools for three years, and then um, taught at a private Quaker school for three years, and quit my job in June of 2012. And I remember just Google searching a couple months after that, you know, I was Google searching like how to start a school. because I just thought maybe one day in five or 10 years, I would just open my own school because I I did not um, like some of the things that I was seeing in the other situations where I was teaching. Um, And I remember finding the Arrow website and just picking up the phone and calling and you answered. And the conversation we had was, um, really pivotal, pivotal for me because you just kind of made me feel like I could do it um, and that it was possible. And so that really got me going. And then taking the, the starter course just kind of opened my eyes up to so many things that I, I didn't know before and um, resonated with me deeply. And a year later, I was opening a school. and We're in our fifth year of operation now. And it's uh, grown into a network of schools, outdoor learning centers, and a lot happened since then. So I'm just deeply, deeply grateful for Arrow and the course and it putting me on my path. And uh, now I see, I remember when you first joined the course, you had very limited ambition. You were kind of just wanting to be able to start something for two or three kids that one particular family asked you to teach, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> And um, I don't think. Yeah, so. Go ahead. Go, no, you go ahead. Oh, yeah, it just, it, it's, um, it, taking the course, I think, definitely opened my eyes to what else was possible that I, I guess I didn't know that people could 
just start a school. Um, and so, you know, now we have probably between 55 and 60 kids at, at Mosaic here in Charlotte, but then we also have, we've grown so many other um, collectives around the country and, and the world that are similar to us. So it's definitely beyond the, the one family who asked me to start the school in the very beginning. <laughs> and of course you connected with people from the Agile Learning Center and now you're an Agile Learning Center. And can you tell us a little bit about what that means? Of course, Agile Learning Center was originally Manhattan Preschool that we helped to start and then it evolved into an Agile Learning Center. But what is an Agile Learning Center? Um, an Agile Learning Center is, is it is a, a school, or there are homeschool collectives too, but it's it's kind of a intentional learning community. Um, there are no compulsory classes, so it has that very similar thread to Sudbury schools or you know other other free schools. Um, but we just add in some tools and practices that help us gel as a community or create intentions for the day. Um, set um, you know. We, we come together in the in the mornings and the afternoons and set intentions. In the afternoons, we reflect on those. Um, but there's a lot of community orientation, so I definitely feel like, um, and, I, and I'm, I'm clear with, you know, families that come to the school, it's, you're saying yes to community when you say yes to, to coming to our school. So it's important to me that we take a minute in the morning to look at each other in the eye or hear someone else's voice or see what's going on for somebody else. Um, and I find that it really has alleviated or lessened a lot of the conflicts that happen from just people not really knowing each other well. Um, the first year of the school, the kids would just get dropped off and it was completely like, you know, they didn't, there was nothing um, that they were required to do. Um, so we have just a few practices that are, um, community-based or community-oriented that, that the kids do have to do to say yes to being in community, basically. Uh, but there's nothing oh. required about classes or anything like that. Like, they, don't, they can choose what they want to do all day long. Okay. And, and you, uh, would you call, do you call yourself a democratic school? Um, funny question. I, I mean, I, there, there's similarities, but we do not have democratic, the, the same democratic meetings that you would find in um, democratic schools. We have um, what we call change-up meetings, and we make community agreements, um, but there's not the same system of voting and, and things like that that you would so find in a democratic school. But it is, it is a, a democratic school in that every, it's participatory and everyone contributes and is involved. Um, but we make we make decisions through um, a lot of just conversation, um, but we'll we'll try we, we try to do things you know as agile learning centers we try to do things pretty agilely. So, for example, instead of like debating um, or trying to rally people to to vote for something that you want to do, we try to speed up that process a little bit and. Um, you know, try to feel like the set, like kind of from the Quaker, um, taking it from the Quakers, like the sense of the meeting, like what's, what's going on? Okay, so are you willing to try this out for a week and then do something for a week at a time and then iterate from there rather than have a really long debate and back and forth? 
um, to decide on something and then feel like we have to stick with that decision. We try to like iterate as we go. Okay. Well, I'm going to bring Gleamer back in. Just stay on with us, uh, Nancy. Uh, Gleamer, you, you still there? Gleamer, yeah. you still there? Okay. So hey, now we... hey, Nancy. <laughs> nice to hear your voice. Yeah. <laughs> nice to hear yours, too. Do, do, Gleamer, do you um, consider your school a democratic school? No. we're. I consider our school a free school. Um, we don't have voting. We decide everything by consensus. We don't. Oh, I, I don't see. like. Yeah, I don't like the. Uh, although it works for many schools, um, I just want everyone's voice to be heard, um, not just uh, I have more friends than you do, so my voice or my voice only matters. So that's how we decide. That's it. how I feel too, Gleamer. That, that that's in my experience of voting too. It's like you're trying to rally people to your cause. Um, yeah. And, and it caused some decisive or divisiveness, like that. I I just mm-hmm. didn't really resonate with. Yeah, oh, I see. Well, you know, I I, 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 I just want to say that I I don't think that there is a particular way that's considered to be, to be the way to make uh, to have a democratic school. I think some I think consensus is one way that people take. We don't even at, at the at, you know the schools that I've been involved with and a lot of the other ones that we've helped people to start, like Brooklyn Free School and so on. Uh, we they, we don't use a straight up and down you know tyranny of the majority type decision making. Uh, we actually learned something from the Mohawk Indians in which the minority is is respected and honored and consulted, and they have a chance to tell the majority why they why they were opposed to the idea, and then everything can be reconsidered and voted on again. Uh, And in the end, uh, anybody could continue that process if they wanted to. So I think it's it's fine, I think, to use whatever process works. The key is, are the students empowered? And I think that's what the commonality is. I agree. I totally agree. Okay, and now Gleeman, why don't you, can you say something about say, the first Aero Conference that you went to? Uh, it was in 2009. Uh, my children were three and five, and um, I wanted to plug in to this amazing community that I learned about uh, just a year before. So um, I found Aero and. We, we drove on up, and it was a, an extremely amazing experience uh, that I still value just as much as the Aero Conference that I went to in August. So I just love the connectivity that I get from Aero and um, the inspiration and um, just the new thoughts that I consider when, every time I go because of the exposure to so many different ideas. And that's actually... Uh, where, where, how we started using some of the Agile Learning Center's tools um, because at an Aero conference, I met Nancy and Thomas, and I thought, wow, this is great. What, a, and what an amazing tool. So we've adopted some of their practices at our school too. And it's really helped, as Nancy said, gel our community. Right. And now you, you said you started your school right after you went to the Aero conference. Yes, yes. I'd been planning to start a school for about a year before that. 
Um, so I thought it was important that I get a teaching certificate, which it wasn't. Nobody cares. Um, and it was a waste of time and money. Um, but um, so I'd done a lot of things. You know, I'd found a building and gathered people and done all that stuff. And then I went to the Aero Conference and just it helped a lot because starting a school is an extremely exhausting endeavor, especially when you have small children. And um, I was pretty wiped out. And then I went to the Aero Conference and I got completely rejuvenated and inspired again and fired up and ready to go. Um, so it was, it was super helpful. All right. Well, you know, it's interesting. We, we as I said, our, our aim, our goal, our mission is the education revolution and, and, and promoting learner-centered education. And so we actually uh, do whatever we can in that direction. But probably the most powerful thing that we do is our course, online course, for school starters. And we've been doing this for 12 years now. The new one is going to start next Monday. And so uh, if people are interested in in actually getting into this year's course, uh, they can do so. Uh, there is, uh, we'll give them a little bit later, uh, a, a key where they can actually uh, save about $300 off the usual $999 for the course, which when you think about it is not much when you compare it to the tuition of just like one student <laughs> at a tuition paying school. Um, but um, when we have people this year actually from all over the place that have already signed up for it, but we, we'd still have a, a few more spaces and so one, one of the things that, that, uh, that uh, Nancy can talk a little bit about is, is you know, something about how, how did that course affect you? What, 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 did, what changed when you took the course? Um, I mean, the, the biggest thing, I think, was just that it helped me realize that it was possible to, to open a school and then meeting the, uh, the connections with the other people in the course um, just made it all feel more real. Um, and then I, I still, some of the articles that you shared, I still go back to and um, refer to because they, like you, I just think you selected some, some good pieces that were really open and it's not, um, it wasn't like, you know, you have to start a school like this, but kind of just like what you said, I, I feel like you and Chris Mercogliano was there too a little bit in the class. Um, but that, that just like what you're saying is you could have a democratic school or a school where students are empowered, but it can look several different ways. Um, and I don't know, for right. me at least, it was just such a great jumping point because, I mean, I took the course in the fall of 2012 and then went to the Aero Conference in, the, in 2013 and opened in August 2013 um, pretty quickly after that. Really? Yeah. Well, you know, what, what, uh, what we found is that there are various ways that people are, have been able to, through the course, clarify their visions. By, and it really helps to be able to talk to other people who are doing a similar thing. And that's part of what we do. We, after introductions, people talk about the visions. There's back and forth about that. And eventually we get to the legal aspects and to, you know, how to find a building. And uh, we also talk about, a lot about the pitfalls, things, ways in which you could do it wrong if you're not careful. Uh, but, you know, I'm going to bring um, uh, somebody else on right now. Uh, Peter Berg, I think, is on. 
Uh, let's get him in there. And Peter has been uh, very, very helpful to Arrow over the years. He's been, he's taught, uh, he, he's taught at um, democratic schools and he has also um, an author of a, of a book that was published recently. Uh, hi, Peter. Hey, Jerry, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. All right, great. Um, yeah, how you doing? Um, Hi, Gleamer. Nice to hear your voice. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm. Uh, I've been listening along with everybody, and they and I, I agree. And yeah, actually, uh, I've also been a principal at a democratic school, which is funny when you hear the word principal of a democratic school. Um, you know, people have some questions about that. Well, what does that look like? And um, but it, but really, what it came down to was sort of. Uh, satisfying the state's need to have um, somebody who had the title, um, you know, but uh, that's, that's all it really was is just a title and everything that was happening at the school was done. Really, I would say really it was was sort of uh, of a a blend of the democratic process and uh, consensus. Uh, So more along the lines that you were talking about, Cherry, um, is that's that's really uh, what we use, but um, again, for the most part, uh, you know, um, it was it was really more of a consensus model than I would say a democratic model. Uh, although we did, you know, we did take votes during the uh, we called all school meeting, you know, that kind of thing, and there were votes uh, taken. But like you said, the uh, you know those who were in the minority, or we uh, used something called fist to five. And, you know, uh, five being, you know, you, you love the idea, you're going to support it, uh, you're going to help make it happen, all the way down to a fist, which means, um, you know, if you had any objections based on, you know, well, wait, I think this is illegal, we need, maybe we need to look into this more kind of thing, um, that's when you would put up a fist. You wouldn't just put up a fist and say, well, I don't really like the idea. You know, a fist would be more like, hey, we really need to go back and, uh, you know, and think this through some more. Uh, we need to do more, some more research. Um, so, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to hear that the course is going again. Uh, I've, I can't tell you how many people that I've talked to uh, at Aero events um, and just, you know, in person and also, um, you know, through, uh, through email and other things that have really pointed to the school starters course as, you know, real transformational event in their lives, you know, whether they even went on to start a school or not. um, A lot of folks um, who said, you know, maybe they took the course and had put it off for a year or two, uh, wound up finding other people who were interested um, in starting a school and, you know, kind of went through that route. And so the school starters course is something really pivotal for them. And uh, I'm really glad to see that it's, it's happening again. And uh, I encourage anybody who's even thinking about it, you know, thinking about, hey, I want to do this. Um, you know, I think not not only do you get really practical step-by-step, um, you know, guidance on how to do it, you also learn a lot about, um, you know, sort of the, the things that you can look into and the theory behind it and also wind up with some amazing connections and people to talk to. Um, and, people, and, you know, Gleamer was talking about the support um, you know, that you need in starting a school. And um, I'm part of a, um, a new learning center, which is um, 
called Big Fish Learning, which is really based on the um, the North Star model uh, in Massachusetts. And again, you know, just needing really a community of people to really uh, pull it off. So I think, you know, it, it's interesting. I think the school starters course um, has so many elements and so many aspects to it that can really just, you know, catapult, um, you know, um, people's vision and also their uh, motivation and inspiration. Um, There's so much more to it than just sort of this step-by-step, you know, kind of process to, you know, to guide people. Um, There's just, you know, so many layers to it. That's really true, Peter. I think that one of the keys to the course is actually bouncing things off of other people who are starting schools as well as Chris McCalliano, who helps me with the course, too. And, of course, Chris was the director and, and, and for uh, a staff member and for a long time director of Albany Preschool. And he helps do the course. And he actually wrote the book called um, How to Grow a School. And, and then, of course, I've got a new book out now that's called Schools Over, How to Have Democ- Freedom and Democracy in Education. And people who come into the course will actually get copies of those books. Um, I'm going to just mention right now that if people want to sign up for the course, I'm going to tell them how they can do it and how they can do it with a discount. Uh, and that is uh, they can go to educationrevolution.org. That's our website, educationrevolution.org. And if they just click on the logo for the School Starters course, which they'll see right there at the top, it'll bring them to that site. Now, if they decide to register before they check out, there's going to be a place where it asks if there's any kind of a coupon code, and there is one. And we only are doing this on the radio show and on the podcast, so this is the only place people are getting it. And that is if you put in this coupon code, SAS, that's for School Starters Course, SAS Podcast. It's all one word, uh, SAS Podcast. Uh, Is it capitalized? No capitals? No capitals, no. So it's all lowercase, SAS Podcast. You put that in and you'll get $300 off the course, and we're just going to do it for another day or so, and then the course is going to start this coming Monday. So uh, just go to educationrevolution.org. Click on the course logo. When you sign up for it, just uh, put in the, the code SAS. Uh, and if you'd like to call into the show now, uh, you can do so. Uh, the number here is, is 212-943-3539. That's uh, 213-943-3539. And, you know, if you go to the website, you can also write to me from the website at info at educationrevolution.org if you have questions about the course and so on. And uh, so we'd be happy to, uh, to talk to anyone about it. We still have openings. We will stop, however, when we get to 25 and we're, we're getting there. So, uh, Peter, thanks a lot for, for coming on the show. I know you're kind of in a hurry. Is that right? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I actually do need to jump off this call and um, join another one. But I just, again, I just wanted to jump on and uh, just tell some folks, the folks who are listening, um, you know, just all the, over the years, just hearing from so many people about the course and, and obviously uh, Arrow itself and, um, 
just, you know, Arrow being, um, you know, such a, uh, at least in, in, in my personal, you know, my personal life, such an inspiration uh, just for, you know, just really education and learning. And we uh, talk a lot about self-directed education. And, um, and I think, again, you know, Arrow has just inspired so many people and organizations um, and again, the school starters course, uh, it, it's really hard for me to quantify how many people I've, you know, come across who just, you know, sing its praises and talk about, you know, just what it's done for them. Uh, and like I said, just the, almost the other layers to it, um, you know, are, are I think it, it, it's hard to explain how, how that just kind of comes about naturally. And you just, you know, wind up networking with people and finding out about other people's work and, um but yeah, I just wanted to jump on and say, okay, you know, well, that I, well, Peter, yeah, yeah thank, thanks a lot for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And it's interesting what you say is true, that we actually don't know how many schools that we've uh, helped to start because in some cases people will get the inspiration from us, and we don't necessarily find out about it. And other people, like there's an, an example of some people from the country of Colombia that came to an Aero conference one year. And then they came back the second year, and then they went back and started this school, which is called Calapa, which I got a chance to visit when I was speaking at a conference uh, down in the country of Colombia near Bogota. And it's a fantastic school in the most beautiful location I've ever seen with thatched roofs and so on. <laughs> so, again, you never know. But the, the reality is that it is certainly much better and safer if you want to start a school to do it through the school starters course. One of the things we talk about are the pitfalls, the mistakes not to make when you're first starting a school. And I'll just tell you about one of them. Uh, for example, is, is when you make a board, sometimes people want to put people on their board who uh, have a lot of money or influence or whatever, uh, well-connected. This is, I think, a mistake. I think your board needs to be people who you trust, literally trustees, and uh, that share your vision. I've actually heard of stories in which uh, uh, people picked the other kind of board and that board decided to fire them. <laughs> so uh, there's, there's some sad stories like that. And there are other kinds of pitfalls. I do think that it's hard to start a school by committee. I think you have to have a key person who's the leader, the organizer, the director, the vision holder, and all kinds of other people can come in and help that person. But if you do it by committee, sometimes it becomes, you know, all about the adults and their interactions. And uh, so, again, that's one of the things that, that I uh, encourage people, you know, to do. You know, so people may be asking, well, what is this? education what does it really mean you know in in actuality how do you actually deal with kids i wonder uh nancy and gleamer if you've heard the story that Jakob hecht uh, tells about the windsurfer have you guys heard that story i can't recall that i have no and nancy yeah, do you know I the story i've heard no? it speak a couple times but i maybe i forgot all right well this is an incredible story i was actually on a radio show this morning locally here, and I, I told the story, and it just kind of blew away the host. What happened is that Yako, there are 30 public democratic schools in Israel. It's the only country 
in the world that has anything like that. And they have 500 students in some cases in these schools. And they actually run democratically using a very similar philosophy to the ones that Gleamer and Nancy have outlined. And so he started his uh, democratic school of Hydera, I think more than 20 years ago. And at one point, uh, parents brought a kid to him and this kid was just not doing anything in school. And he only had one big interest and that was windsurfing. That was his only thing he was interested in is windsurfing. And so Yaakov said to him, well, okay, from now on, your entire curriculum is going to be organized around windsurfing. You're going to try to uh, study what their history uh, how to build them, uh, the physics, how they work, uh, and uh, the, you know you're gonna, your entire curriculum is going to be based on windsurfing as well as going down and actually doing windsurfing and trying these things out and getting a lot of experience with it. So uh, Israel is a small country, and uh, in all of its history, it's only had one uh, person who won an Olympic gold medal. And that was this kid in windsurfing. <laughs> so uh, that, that's, wow. that's an example. that's a great story. <laughs> yeah, so, so that, that's an example of what happens when you really let someone follow their interest. I'll, I'll tell you one other similar story. Uh, uh, I, I have a friend, Albert Lamb, whose son, Roly, uh, was a student at Summerhill, and I remember visiting them, and and when he was, uh, you know, a student there, and he was interested in music, and he was interested in reading, and so on. He eventually, at 16, wound up uh, leaving the school, or 16, 17, I don't know the exact age, and he was, he decided to go uh, to a Zen Buddhist monastery. In, in Japan, <laughs> there, spent some time there. Then he wound up going back to, um, to New Hampshire and staying with his mother for a while. And he got himself a job uh, organizing the archives uh, of a man who, a philosopher, who was, who was donating all of his archives, his, his, uh, to, his, all of his uh, notes and materials to the archives of Harvard University. And so he did this, and, and Harvard became very impressed with him. And they actually had him become an adjunct, adjunct professor of philosophy. Of course, he'd never been to college. But he did that, and they were, again, so impressed with him that they offered him a full scholarship to Harvard. So he went to Harvard, uh, graduated from there. Then they wanted him to continue on Harvard Graduate School, but he had his future wife uh, from Bangladesh was kind of stuck in England. So he said, no, I'm going to go to England. And he wound up going to the London School of Music. Uh, Yamaha was having a contest to see who could design a new instrument. So he came up with a design as part of this program, which was like a piano. It sounded like a piano, except that when you bent the notes, it would change the pitch. So you could sort of play between the notes. Yamaha said, hmm, this is no longer uh, a contest. We want to buy this <laughs> idea from you. And Rowley said, uh, no, no, thank you, and went ahead and 
continued to work on it himself. He now has a factory with about 300 people working on producing these things that sell for about $8,000 a piece. <laughs> Again, this That's is the kind, of, <laughs> the kind of thing wow. that happened. This is way, it's, it's you know, beyond the, what happens when you're on the treadmill. You know, this, these, are, these are the examples of, of, of what can happen when you really can follow your interests. Have you, do you, can you think of any stories like that uh, in your school, Nancy? Of kids just really pursuing their own interests and coming up with something interesting? I mean, I, I feel like they do this all the time. Now, none of them have gone on to win Olympic medals, but we've only been open for, <laughs> we're only in our fifth year, starting our fifth year, and our oldest, um, who's grown up with us, she's started at 11 and now she's um going on 15 so uh-huh. <laughs> but i mean it's just it's just magical what um i i think happens when kids are given the ability to um take control of their own lives like you know seeing them write books or learn music play the guitar um you know just by you know is that like one kiddo who you know, goes out and works at a pizza shop and, um, you know, is interested in maybe one day opening up his own restaurant and just the things that you're able to do and actually get the experience doing um, when you aren't needing to sit in a classroom. And I, well, last year, I guess I had one one student um, who was a lifelong unschooler and then she came to us, the, the oldest one I was speaking about, but um, she was kind of, she thinks, you know, she's like, she thinks she wants to go to college. She's pretty sure she wants to go to college. And so she thought, I don't know how they do math in schools. You know, I'm probably going to have to take these math tests and things like that. Um, And so she took a Khan Academy course over the summer. And then last year we did an algebra class together and um, maybe met like once or twice a week, but it was not that often. Um, Some days, sometimes it was more, but then there were times where we wouldn't meet that much. And then, she was just curious to see how she would do passing. If she was in school, she would be in eighth grade. So if she could pass the eighth grade, um, like a standardized test. So I gave her the California achievement test. And after just, you know, uh, a year and a half of like intermittent stuff, because she knows how to learn and she was interested in doing it and self-motivated, um, she was like testing at like, you know, above average in every single thing, including math. And so I was just so thankful that she hadn't wasted most of her childhood, um, you know, sitting doing worksheets and instead was just, you know, playing and writing and, you know, learning about whatever she wanted to learn about. And then knowing that when she wants to, you know, pass an entrance exam to go to college, like she can do it, you know, she, well, she's well, already this, proved this that a, to herself. This is an extremely important point that has to do with this approach to education. And that is if kids stay confident in themselves as learners, they retain their ability to learn at lightning speed and they can learn and anything. She's an ideal, what? I was going to say she's an ideal situation because she was unschooled her whole life before Mosaic. And then so she's never actually been to any real school, you know? So this is like what's possible. I feel like for, for a kid, her mom researched on schooling and found it before she even um, had children. So, like, wow, 
like Lemur was saying before, um, it really is ideal when the kids can come up with it young because when they come in a little bit older, they do um, sometimes kind of like sit around and wait for you to direct them. Well, I'll tell you a similar story. There's a boy that, that I knew who decided to go to college at 16, and, and, and in order to go in, he was a homeschooler, unschooler, but in order to do that, he had to pass algebra to get into the college he wanted to go to, but he'd never taken algebra. So what he did is he studied it on his own for a week, week, and aced the test. <laughs> and um, we now have a ratio of how, of how fast... Uh, an unschooler can learn something compared to a, a regular student, so one year equals one week. <laughs> um, so, so, uh, so this is uh, this is um, it's important to understand that this is one of the aspects of this that really works. And uh, Gleamer, have you had any similar ex- stories like that, or examples for, with your students? Yeah, I agree with Nancy that it feels like it's just all the time the kids. Um, get latched onto an idea and then they just make it happen uh, without some big rigmarole. And so um, I can use my daughter for an example, um, since you know she's been an unschooler all her life um, and she's now 13. Um, whenever she wants to learn anything, whether it's math or dance or anything, um, it, it's just super quick. She just gets it and then she moves on. And I keep thinking how grateful I am that she wasn't sitting in a desk doing worksheets all day, all her life. And instead she played and played and played and danced um, and did all the wonderful things that she wanted to and enjoyed doing instead of just sitting there. Um, so I, I feel such gratitude that she's able to have that experience and do what she wants to do and get it when she needs to get it. Right. So well, I do, I, just, I see that stuff all the time. Uh, this summer there was this kid, she wanted to build a candy machine and like she just, I don't know, it took her like three days, and she figured out how to build a working candy machine. Okay. Wow. Wow. I mean, this, this, these are some great examples. And, and what's, what's interesting is with, with the School Starter course, there are some amazing things that happened. There was a woman who took the course, uh, and she was from Poland. And uh, she took the course, and then she came to an aero conference to follow up on it, and then went back to Poland and started a democratic school. Well, there are something like 25 democratic schools in Poland now based on the fact that she got hers going. It's uh, unbelievable to see some of these changes. And we've also had people, for example, from, from the Emirates, from, from Arab countries. We've had people from, 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 from all over uh, the world and places that you might not think were so likely that wound up deciding that they needed to get this going on in their area. We've got someone this year who wants to start one in Mexico City, and we have someone else who wants to finally start one in Los Angeles, where there are no real democratic schools that I know of right in that area. There's one called Play Mountain Place. It's been there forever. It's just uh, for, for younger kids. But uh, at any rate, I'm going to, again, again, give people the information. If they would like to sign up for the course, we still have openings for the uh, Arrow on, Online School Starters course, uh, you would go to educationrevolution.org, our website, click on the logo for the course, and then when you uh, register for it to get a $300 discount, you would write in 
the um, uh, the code word S A S podcast S A S P O D C A S T, and then you would then get three hundred dollars off on the course, and we're only going to do this for another day or so, uh, and um, then you'll be in the course, and so. Uh, hopefully, uh, we'll we'll get a few more people, and then we'll get to our limit, and uh, we'll be off and running for this year. And it, we just don't feel like we can take more than twenty five because there's just too much. It, you know, the interactions between the students are are so important. And um, this this you know, it's another example of a school that we I actually did an in person consultation. Uh, for a group that was in Stroud, England, and they started something called The Place to Grow, and now that is being used uh, as a template for uh, other kinds of alternatives around England. So we like to see uh, the ripple effect of these things, and our our purpose is the education revolution. We want to see learner-centered education uh, possible anywhere. So I think we're going to start... Uh, wrapping up a little bit, I uh, just uh, wonder if anything you want to add to all this, uh, uh, Nancy? Um, just that I'm really grateful for, for you and Arrow and everything that that you do, that not only did I end up starting um, my dream school, but I also met my husband through the, the connections I made at Arrow, and um, <laughs> I'm pregnant with my first baby, and I'm so excited that... Wow, congratulations. I'm due next month. Um, I'm really happy that he gets to go to a school that um, that's just all of my heart's desires, and and that's manifested because of a direct, you know, directly from from your work, Jerry. So, thank you. My life is um, really full and amazing, and I'm so grateful. Wow, (laughs) an arrow baby. <laughs> and Gleamer, you have anything you want to say wrapping up? Yeah, I I really hope that people will sign up for your course because I think it will help people avoid lots of mistakes and help guide them on their way and give them lots of wonderful ideas and people to network with. I just think it'll it'll be really really helpful uh, to them. So right, got the okay, code well, and I'll pass it on. Okay, so people can go to the website. They can actually write to me personally if they want to at info at educationrevolution.org, or there are some places you can click on from, from the website if you have specific questions. Uh, you could actually call the ERA office at uh, area code 516-621-2195. Uh, we're in New York, so it would be reasonable about when you call. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, uh, we've, I've enjoyed very much uh, talking to you. I'm really glad, Nancy and Gleamer and Peter, uh, that you're able to uh, to come on the show. And um, I think that, that uh, we'll just kind of wrap up by uh, letting everyone know that they can get the information at educationrevolution.org. Uh, there are actually a couple of the books that we mentioned are available there if you want to just simply get the books. My new book is called School's Over. Uh, and then Chris McCalliano, who will be co-teaching the course, has got a book uh, called How to Grow a School. And those are a kind of key things. It's, it's interesting. 
some so many amazing and exciting things happen when you empower people in this way to make decisions. Uh, I, I remember, for example, when we were trying to help start Brooklyn Free School, which is a democratic school in Brooklyn, and we had a series of meetings, and people would bring their students to the meetings, and they would just go off and play. And at one point I said, you know, your children here, they do have opinions. They have opinions about what the school should be like. Uh, and so if you want, have them come in here and we'll ask them. Well, there were three six-year-olds, and so they came in. And one of the six-year-olds said, it's very, when he realized that we did know he had opinions, he said, you know, it's very important, very important that the school not be too clean, that it not have all kinds of new furniture. Because if that's the case, then we cannot really run around and jump and play and have a lot of fun. <laughs> now, who is going to come up with, it, with, with, with a point of view like that except for a six-year-old? <laughs> that's awesome. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> Love it. Okay, it's awesome. Well, it's so true. So true. <laughs> right. And, and so, um, again, um, it's, been, it's been a pleasure talking to you. It's, it, uh, we're, we're glad to have uh, been on this show for, and, and have a show on Talk America on, on the um, Blog Talk Radio again. And um, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll continue and do another one sometime if people really enjoy this one. We'd love to, um, to get feedback from you so you can, you can write to us and let us know what you thought of the show. And I think that's it for today. So thank you very much for listening. Insurance-minded speeches from GEICO. Hardship. My grandmother would go through it every month to pay her insurance bill. First, she would handwrite a paper check, in cursive. Then, using her own tongue, she would wet a stamp for an envelope. Today, however, we need not weary our hands and tongues. Today, we can pay our GEICO bill with the GEICO app. Away with hardship, in with bill pay on the GEICO app. Thank you.